Hello and welcome everyone. This is the Autonomy Talent Podcast and this is Bill Gilwick coming at you again. And as I've been doing as of late, I've got a clip from one of the songs from today's guest that I'll be playing here at the beginning right after this little intro section. And if you enjoy it, you can wait till at the very end of the episode after the outro music, this track will play out in its entirety so you can go listen to the entire track back there. So the song is entitled Operate by the band Filson is one of the many projects our guest today has worked with over the years. More on that later. Busty bottom with mega Back to basics when we Operate. Operate. Welcome to the Autonomy Talent Podcast, where we feature creatives, discuss what they do, what they do to promote their creative endeavors, and try to come up with new methods that might boost their results and yours. We'll also have the occasional industry expert here to talk about what's new in digital marketing. So enjoy the show and remember to always live intentionally. Everybody and welcome to yet another episode of the Autonomy Talent Podcast. We're talking between Fort Worth and Philly today. I've got Mitch Beer. What a stroke of luck to get that last name, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, like I said earlier, I didn't choose it, but I'm not I, unhappy about it. So absolutely not. And I had to crack another one because it'd be sacrilege to be talking to you and not be drinking a beer. So there you go. <laughs> hey, it's five o'clock somewhere. Always. And why do we need to be five o'clock anyway? I don't care. Hey. <laughs> Especially right now. I mean, day I'll, drinking is I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> Especially right now. So no doubt day, about it. Day drinking is the new American pastime. <laughs> I guarantee that. That's uh, one of the few things that did not get closed in Philadelphia were beer distributors. So. Oh, yeah. All the beer and liquor stores here have been booming. Like across the country, the liquor sales have been up significantly. Like I've seen numbers of 30, 40 percent. Insane. <laughs> But not surprising in the slightest. Not at all. Well, Mitch, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, a little background, where you're from, what do you do? Yeah, uh, I'm from Philadelphia. I'm a bass player and record producer. I've uh, been a professional musician in some capacity since 2006, uh, full-time since 2014 at this point. Um, I've toured with the Grammy-winning Diggable Planets. I'm a member of the Recording Academy on the board in Philly. Um, and I do a whole lot from mentoring to live performance. You know, I roughly perform about 100 times a year. I'm a session musician for uh, a couple of different Grammy-winning producers and in the local area here in Philadelphia. And I've been, you know, just trying to hustle, boots on the ground type guy. Uh, I own my own recording studio as well as my own home studio uh, here in the Philadelphia region. And uh, that's been going very well. I'm very grateful for that. And I've been married about two and a half years to a far superior musician to myself. And uh, we have a seven-month-old son. And that's kind of the real brief synopsis of what I do. I also teach a master class program at my high school in songwriting and production and uh, I'm just, you know, very fortunate. Music's kind of given me all the good things in my life over the last 10 years. And I've gotten to see the world because of it and meet some incredible people. And even speaking to you because of some music on the Internet, you know, like a week ago. I know, so, right? You know, just, that, 
I just think from uh, sharing playlists on Spotify, man. And we came together and I, I yeah. saw what you were doing. And I was like, man, I like, I got to talk to this guy. Yeah. So like the, I think the song that I posted on that playlist that you saw is uh, from my artist, Filson. Uh, he's an artist that I'm developing and uh, we have a couple records out together and we have a whole slew of them kind of in the tank that we're trying to finish it's become a little bit more difficult to do that. We're, we're much better yeah. in and together in writing these records and that those these records also i have a co-producer on this project um my friend josh lerner who is a ridiculously talented producer and multi-instrumentalist who's 10 years younger than me and just really uh he's got a really bright future ahead of him he's not so much on twitter as i've become over the last four months um but he's uh he's a pretty great talent so i'm uh i'm pretty serious about collaboration that's kind of been the hallmark of my career is just meeting people and performing with them and working on their music and just kind of sharing different ideas and vibes. Yeah, looking through your, uh, I've, I've been creeping you a little bit, of course, today and do prepare for this. And um, it looks like you you have performed and or recorded with multiple different acts over the years, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think. I don't know if I sh shared my recorded or produced playlist with you, but probably I think there's like 20 different artists on there in the last five years that I've performed or produced or recorded for. And I've been recording or performing, I'd say on average between seven and 12 different acts a year uh, over the last 10 years. Um, just, uh, you know, Philly is a town of incredible bass players, but even more just musicians in general. And, uh, I've never really said no, uh, especially if I didn't know the style or music. Like, yeah, I joined a hard rock group because somebody saw me play one day. and was like, would you ever play hard rock? And I was like, yes. Um, I started playing hip hop music because someone literally asked me, would you ever want to play some weird hip hop music? And I was like, I've never done that before. Sure. And that ended up being a vehicle that took me, you know, a couple of years later on the road with Diggable Planets because I just said yes to that. So you know, that's kind of been the, my whole ethos is like, have I ever done it before? Well, then why not? You know, maybe I'll find an aspect in it that I appreciate or that I can integrate into what I kind of do on a personal level. And it might apply elsewhere. And that's been true kind of the whole time. And I now make more contemporary or off contemporary music than I've ever made. And I swore I'd never even make this type of music. And here I am. <laughs> Because that's just like, that's the not saying no philosophy. Um, now, there are things I say no to now from a professional perspective, if it's going to be too time consuming. But right. in general, I say yes to something I've never experienced before musically because I'll learn from it, you know, and I love that. And that's what artists do. I mean, we are always looking to expand our horizons, um, expand our uh, realm of influence, our sphere of influence, and and just learn something new to stretch ourselves and stretch our talents. And, and you know, it's it's just the way of the world. I mean, if you're a, if it's in your blood to be a, an artist and to create, you're always looking for some a new way to do it. And so, I, man, I commend that. And, oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely the truth, right? Like. You have to expand. You have to challenge yourself. Ultimately, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I've actually because we met on Twitter, obviously, um, I've really taken to a side of Twitter that I didn't even know existed four or five months ago. You know, I first got into Twitter kind of as just a retweeter of some political stuff that I felt aligned with. Um, but I've actually stepped away from that entirely and found this entrepreneurial side of Twitter and I've been challenged by some of the people I've interacted with uh, to expand and grow uh, and understand things on a different level and it's kind of like what I've taken from music I'm applying there and I'm like finding new people and new people to interact with and grow with and that's kind of my whole philosophy so I appreciate that you appreciate that um, it's obviously kind of the hallmark if you want to survive in this business if you're not like massively talented or people are just like staring at you for either how you look or what you bring to the table. And I've just, I started really late. I'm not like that. I'm also grateful. I'm not like that. Cause I think when you're like that, people want to take a lot of things from you all the time. And I get to live somewhat more of a quiet life and still provide for my family, making music. I want to be on big stages. Don't get it wrong, but I'm, I'm a bass player, man. I'm a side man. That's kind of my whole thing. You know, uh, 
my wife is definitely more the front person than I am, but she's also a great side person too. So it's like, Hey, however we can work harder and get better. And I don't care how old I am. I always want to be learning, you know, that's kind of, it's the best part of it, frankly. <laughs> I totally agree, man. And I'm a rhythm guitar player myself too. So I get it, man. I'm, I'm, I, you're on one side. I'm on the other side. So. Oh man. No, I, uh, I think I tweeted a post rhythm guitar better than guitar solos, uh, like two <laughs> weeks ago. Cause for me, man, it's all about, you know, how rhythmic, how connected you are to the song that you're playing. Yeah. And that is a position without ego. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, that's, where, that's where the special stuff happens, man. Great rhythm guitar players are, I mean, you know, obviously Bill Withers just passed recently. Um, but his band would talk about how absolutely perfect his rhythm was as a guitar player. And that's why they could do whatever they wanted to do. You know, and that was kind of the synergy of that project. Like even Hendrix was able to just like lay down just using like a basic, you know, C-shaped chord and just rolling up and down the neck with it to just lay down his rhythms and then work off of that. To do his other stuff, all the different improvisation stuff he would do off of that was a whole nother story. But but his ability to just lay down a rhythm while he's singing was was groove, man. Incredible. captivating right like that's right. obviously you don't, the solo stuff gets you but like that stuff is what's captivating yeah and a lot of people it, it, it you don't really it's not it doesn't stand out in the forefront so it's not uh, most people don't really realize the the incredible talent that that takes it's, well, it's just kind of in the background behind the vocals absolutely but that that's is, holding it down right that's that's uh, actually that is the talent in the first place right yeah. that you are kind of not noticed you're doing something so perfect, you're not even paying attention to it. So it fits its piece part perfectly. But I've also, at least from my experience with other musicians, the best lead guitar players, the best soloists are incredible rhythm guitar players because their solos have so much rhythm to them that that is just like their melody is more compelling because of the rhythmic grounding that they possess. Um, you know, one of my favorite bands is Fish. And as a rhythm guitar player, Trey is just like unbelievable i i mean i love his guitar solos but like some of the funkiness in his rhythm is just like holy cow that is just special stuff um tell me a little bit more about uh what you what type of band you've been playing and that you were recording some guitars the other day well i was just um i had downloaded a new daw um thanks to covid it has a uh like a 90 day trial so i was like i'm gonna check it out and see what it's like so which one's up um Crap, if you hadn't asked me, I could have told you. It started with an R. Um, it's a pretty popular one. Reaper? Yes, thank you. Yeah, That's I have it. not tried Reaper, but I know that it's kind of like the Reddit of Dawes, and people yeah. really, really do vibe it. It's a, got a much simpler interface, I find, because like, I've tried Intunes, and I've tried FL Studio, and others, and uh, Pro Tools a little bit, and then, uh, oh, crap, what was that one we were using in the band? Uh, it's another pretty big name one. I can't think. Um, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Anyway, it's a lot of EDM artists use it. Uh, yes, thank you. Yeah, so I I <laughs> predominantly these days use Ableton Live um, for my recordings um, because there's like once you dig in, there's some really incredible functionality of it. Also, without question, for live performance, if you're using backing tracks, Ableton Live is is like the industry key. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, I've heard really good things about Reaper. Um, you know, at this point I've kind of used Logic, Pro Tools, and Ableton. So it's like I can work I can get around most scenarios with those three. So it's like I can't add another. I've heard Luna's <laughs> cool, but there's some weird things about it, the one that uh UH just released. Yeah. Uh but uh well that's cool, man. So was it a good tryout? Yeah, I just I recorded a, just a simple little riff I kind of made up off the top of my head there and um just to have something to kind of to play with in there. So I started to play with the settings, the different uh, amp cabinet settings and the EQ settings and all that and playing with the compressor settings and different stuff to see what I could do with the sound. And it's got some impressive capabilities to it. So I was like, I was digging on it. That's cool. Since I had a shot at it and I had a little bit of time to mess with it, I was like, I'll try it out. What the heck? A buddy of mine sent it to me. He said he'd been using it. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll check it out. Hey, why the hell not, right? Like right now, what we have is time to learn. <laughs> so, exactly. I've been using well. it to pursue this, get my podcast rolling, and um, better my music. But it, you asked about what I play, and I'm mostly a metal and hard rock guy myself. But nice. 
I have a I'm in a local band here in the Dallas area that I just joined last year. This is my second band. I'd started one before that that we only ever got up to a three piece. We never had a singer, and then people weren't very dependable and stuff, so it just kind of fell apart. But then I joined this band early last year, like in the spring last year, and we were getting going, and I was learning their their set list and working it up. We were practicing twice a week and really wow. kind of starting to get us get it down. And our bass player got transferred down to Houston, like five hours away. So we lost our bass player. And during the course of looking for a new bass player, in October, our studio, our practice studio, got hit by a tor- when a tornado came through. Yeah. <laughs> so I haven't played with those guys since like middle of October. Wait. It's terrible. But and they just got it ready to open back up, like the week that oh. Dallas County started shutting down non-essential businesses. So. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, literally, we opened our recording studio in October, and we were killing it, and things have been going so well, and then this thing happened. It's like, the rent don't stop, but the money oh. sure did. So, you know, it's one of those things. Now we just have to uh, survive as long as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, ride it out. It's what we got to do. We got to ride it out. That's kind of the whole name of the game right now. Uh, I'm grateful I got this home set up that I can still do a lot of work out of, and my oh, wife yeah. do some together um we've been sending some tracks uh, around the country to keep working on projects i have uh, been producing this artist in florida so finally we're getting kind of some more stuff going on while uh, we're far apart um because they were up here for 10 days and it's like there's so much momentum when you're in the same place working together and then they went home oh, we're supposed to come back and obviously that hasn't happened so it's like uh all right, I got to find a way to finish these songs and send them your way anyway. And I can't even meet with my engineer. We have to do it on Zoom. To like <laughs> stuff. Um, but that's kind of the it's nature of the beast, right? Like you got to adapt, you know, musicians, if you're good, you're adaptable. So that's kind of uh, the name of the game right now. So that's what we're doing. Absolutely. So feel free to shout out any of the artists you're working with or, or anything uh, like that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So this artist uh, from Florida, her name is uh, Bianca Jasmine. Uh, that's the name of the project, and uh, she's got some music out on Spotify from a couple of years ago, and we've been working on her next, the next phase of her career, really, a couple singles and some new songs we've been writing, um, which is some, like, harder pop music, I would say. Like, there's definitely, like, real rock elements. That's kind of the world that they're, that they're coming from, um, but we're adding some more, like, indie pop and dance elements to that side of it, so... First couple songs will be a little darker, and then we get a little more fun throughout the project. Uh, hopefully, we got some stuff coming out later this spring. More likely, probably early summer is the goal now. Um, yeah. Due to the delay, like things, but everything's getting pushed back a few months now. So. Yeah, you know, listen. Um, if as long as you're like continue, there's things you can still build, right? Like you can still work yep. on your social media. You can still work on your visible presence, and that'll only make more leverage for when you release the music. You know, like you know, you know that the world of music is really saturated. So any way you can separate yourselves over time and space, uh, this is a good time to keep building the other side of things. So engaging with your fan base. That's that's, that's the name of the game, right? Exactly. And this was uh, social media is great because you don't have to, you know, there's no gatekeeper. There's no, any, I mean, anybody under the sun can come like at mention you on Twitter. If, even if you're like a, like an Eminem or a Metallica or somebody like that, they can just go drop at mention and shout out directly to you anytime they want. And, and yeah, it's amazing. You have that access to your fan base directly without having to go through other media channels and whatnot to get there. There's no, there's no barrier anymore. You're, it's all just wide open. And this, it's an amazing time to really, to be in the music industry in any capacity. You are absolutely correct, Bill. I mean, that is like without question one of the things about it is you can do so much without having to spend capital, only your time, right? Like engage your fans, find a way to build more fans using these vehicles, and then spend money in the places that you know it will work because you have those fans established. And it's like that was never possible before the last 10 years. So, you know, that's part of it. Um, and you know i'm still like you know i got a band in here in philly stereo league that we put out some more music uh, over the last three months and now we're trying to figure out how to get some videos together kind of remotely because it's five of us which is not as easy when you're just no. one person. um 
but uh you know we were supposed to play some bigger shows coming up this summer that i'm sure will probably not happen now i mean they i'm hoping they release the reins on some businesses but social gatherings of hundreds of people i i think that we're in for a little bit longer of a ride uh on that stuff so you know we just got to find a way to keep it rocking and you know my wife and i are going to be doing some more content that we're putting out um we posted a bit of a video last night from the podcast that we were on yesterday together uh, my homie dan drago does a podcast here in philly for like all philly musicians called 25 o'clock and nice. uh you know at the end of it he asked if we wanted to do a song i posted a clip of part of it today on twitter but you know my wife and i have been performing angel from montgomery by john prine for about six years together so you know he just passed and we're going to be putting more content like that up on the internet. Uh, is that the video you posted earlier on y'all, the two of you playing and singing? Or, yeah, that yeah, was, yeah, I saw that on your Twitter a little while ago. Yeah, she's uh, an incredible uh, musician and singer. And uh, we started this teaching program called uh, Rebel Joy Music Education, which is... Yeah. Yeah, uh, I was going to ask you about that. Please yeah. enlighten us. Yeah, so kind of the concept behind it is that you know, we teach all age levels, doesn't matter, but we are not professional teachers. We're professional musicians that teach. And, you know, what I mean by that is that we've been on stages and big stages. We've recorded for people with Grammy Awards and Platinum Records. And there are certain nuances to those things that you can't just get in a typical classroom on music and you can't get with a typical music teacher. No disrespect for them whatsoever. But we kind of teach a little bit more of what it's like to use the lessons you learn in a normal music class in kind of more advanced settings. But doing things like, hey, this is still what a major scale looks like, but are our notes connected? Because that's what's going to show up on a record. You know, do you want to be on stage? Well, this is how you need to interpret this music if you're going to get on stage. Like kind of releasing your passion and your talent and your comfort with yourself at a different level so that if you want to pursue those avenues of, of music you can and we can coach you to how to do that you know we consult artists producers and songwriters on how to up their careers and their level uh at, in those specific skills i'm you know teaching a songwriter in greece right now uh, who just wants to write better songs for himself and you know we have a couple different young guitar players that are in the scene that my wife's working with and then we also have like some five-year-olds that we're teaching too so it like kind of runs the gamut and we love sharing knowledge, you know, so this is kind of our way of doing it together. And we're kind of going to be building some content over the next couple of weeks, both lessons, tips, and then some performances that my wife and I do um, from our studio here at home, Duke Nation Studios. I've got a giant cat, tabby cat, Sir Duke, and this is his world. And we're just living in it. So, you know, that's kind of the long and short. And we teach group lessons, individual lessons, half hours, hours. We try to be pretty, you know, and we do it all through Zoom, go to meeting, FaceTime, Skype, whatever your best work is. And we kind of tailor it around you and what you want. We're very, you know, goal oriented in that. You know, I obviously know what I think you should know when I meet you and talk to you, but I want to make sure you're getting what you want out of all the lessons. Like, it's not about me. It's about you being your best musician. That's excellent, man. And um, it reminds me, I have a, a friend of mine who's just kind of in the he's been planning it for a while, but he had a, a move and everything that kind of put a thing back. And then this has set things back a little further. But he's trying to put together a nonprofit to kind of bring more music into education into schools and like, like as an auxiliary thing, but uh, kind of partnering with schools and whatnot. And he's got a, a whole plan laid out. I'm, I'm not doing it justice trying to explain it. I won't even try to go any, into any more detail than that. I would just confuse everybody, including myself. But he's like down the coast from you and like I think like I don't remember. He was living here and he moved out to the East Coast, like South Carolina or something like that nice. uh, about last year sometime. And uh, he's trying to get that put together down there. And I need to get you two together and see if y'all can compare notes. Maybe you could uh, pick your brain about some things. Oh, absolutely. Help. And, you know, I've been teaching this master class at my old <laughs> high school. They actually have a songwriting and production class, which is crazy. Um, wow. I, I teach there twice a month basically just giving the kids feedback on their music and some different ways to perceive their music. But also it's like, hey, you're a singer. You should know how to engineer your own vocals. Oh, hey, you're a producer. You need to know how to record a singer. Oh, hey, you're a guitar player. You got to be able to record yourself. Oh, maybe you need to record your homie right now singing on your guitar part. So like it's kind of 
how can everyone have a taste of kind of everyone else's job a little bit to raise everybody's level, but then also like give good feedback and right. learn take good feedback, which is kind of like the most difficult thing to do, right? Is take criticism Agreed. and, you know, learning to take criticism and learning to give feedback that's not personal. Like right. that, that's a real skill, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, your mentors, if you have good ones, never want to upset you when they're telling you that you need to get better, but they do got to tell you, you need to get better if you're going to get better. And exactly. you know, I've had that experience with a lot of my, I'll call at this point, I call them friends cause they're friends, but my mentors have been like, Hey, I got to tell you this, like you screwed the situation up you could have done this better. And I don't like hearing it and it hurts to hear it but you better believe I can learn from it when they say that, you know, it's when they don't say that, that they're doing me a disservice and teaching the kids to be able to critique each other's music and themselves in a way that will make them better. You know, that's probably, I'd say one of the most important things you can teach. So, you know, if your homie wants to talk, I'm a hundred percent down with it. And, you know, my wife's actually been a music educator since she was 15. So, She's been teaching over 20 years and performing since she was 14. So, like, you know, that's a double whammy of just the highest level learning. You know, she, uh, you know, we'll get into Philly, uh, Texas sports in a couple of years. <laughs> but uh, we have a famous anthem singer in Philadelphia for the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, our hockey team, Lauren Hart, who's like considered the number one anthemist in America. And my wife is actually her lead guitar player. And she's performed the national anthem on guitar with Lauren in front of 23,000 in an arena. You know, it's like that's the type of musician my wife is. And she's done everything from run music programs to teach private lessons for over 20 years. So it's like when you work with Rebel Joy Music Ed or with either of us, that's kind of the caliber of people you're learning from. And, you know, she's a a soft touch. I'm a little bit of a harder touch. Uh, critic than she is, but that's why the kids like her more than me anyway. So, (laughs) I can see that. I'm I'm, I'm better for the older guys that don't mind having their uh, butts kicked around a little bit. But, you know, that being said, you know, and I love teaching and I teach other things besides bass, although bass is that's how I earn my living, uh, bass and making records. Um, but you know, if you like playing bass, you know, that's kind of that's my home run. I'm I'm pretty good at educating on that. I was going to ask you if you were uh, if you played other instruments as well. Well, so I do uh, to answer that question. I'm on records. You know what I mean? As a guitar player, uh, I put keys on records. You know, uh, that's I would not ever get on stage to play guitar, at least at this level. I don't I'm not competent like that. But I've got like with Bianca Jasmine, there is a song that I played some guitar on. You know, there's a song I put some keys parts on. Um, so I can do that stuff. Uh, I kind of understand their function in music way better than I can execute it. If that makes sense. Yeah, I know. I'm, I get that. I'm the same way. You you know, so it's like, as far as execution goes, playing bass, and that's kind of my thing. And that's what gives me my joy from a performance perspective. But I love, I, if you actually ask me what's my favorite instrument to listen to, it's guitar or drums. You know, like I... Um, always captivated by great guitar playing and great drumming way more than great bass playing uh, for the most part there are exceptions to that rule of course Um, and I certainly care that the bass player is dope but if you're gonna ask me what captivates me you know it's like listening to Jerry Garcia you know that's like that changes my day you know so but that being said like playing bass is kind of like it's it's changed my life so I can say that with certainty. And I didn't start playing until I was 23. And, you know, here I am with a family because of it. So, People who the bass just spoke to them and you're, you're a consummate bass player at heart. And it's, uh, you're, just, you're a special breed because y'all get into that. And you can do some um, – I've known some amazing bass players over here. My, the bass player that we lost in my band last year, John, he was – oh, man, he was amazing. It blew my mind. I, I, and – I was really sad to lose him, but he's on another project now down there with some friends of his. And so he's, he's going, doing well, but, and I wish him nothing but the best, but man, I hated to see him go. Oh man. Losing a good bass player is the worst, dude. It uh, is. He, he was amazing. Losing a good drummer. I mean, for me is like the killer. It's like, Oh, 
you can't have anything more important than great drums in a band. Yeah, that's my pick. Like, that's the thing. If you're, you know, obviously great front person songwriter, like you need that without question. But like the per- like if the drums aren't there, man, if the drums aren't like rock solid or really special, then it's like nothing else really works right. You know, as a rhythm guitar player, right? Like if the yeah. drums lock, you can't lock. So it's like, oh, losing a good drummer is a killer. Yeah, I like Dude, you gotta be able to lock into that hi hat, man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> or, or that snare hit. Dude, that snare hits everything, man. That snare hit is the world. Yep. Absolutely. And my my drummer's like he's solid, man. He he's I'm the one that always tries to rush the beat. Like I'm always rushing every all the time. I always have. Even way back in band when I played saxophone in like seventh grade, you know, I was yeah. always trying to rush the beat and and he's I, but I need that someone who's solid that can like hold down that beat all the time. And he's he's really talented. He does a lot of fills, and he's got like two of the like digital pads, so he can add extra fills and crap in with that. You know, like different effects and stuff, and just like every, it's, his kid is insane, man. And he he took and we had a full acoustic kit in our practice room, and I, on one Thursday when we were we practiced on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and one Thursday we were there and it was all the acoustic kit like it had been. We come in on Tuesday and he'd been up there over the weekend and swapped everything out he took the heads off and put his digital kit heads on his skins and redid his whole kit all digital and even all digital symbols like and he had like three i don't know what kind of i forget what kind of like processor thing he had to to use it all it wasn't just a standard little out of the box kit like what i've got over here that just has it's not expandable or anything it just has the pieces that it came with but because he had like five or six extra symbols and cowbell digital cowbell things and everything set up all over the place and it was just insane what he had put together over there and it was all digital and then he we had a he started using ableton and our singer had picked up a uh rack mount uh a little interface so we were really just finally starting to get some recordings down like oh. right before things kind of the tornado came so. that's brutal <laughs> But that digital kit, and you run it through that Ableton, and you can adjust, you know, so many settings and different things you can oh, uh, yeah, affect yeah. stuff you can do with it. You can make it sound amazing. The, the tweaking is just really cool with that stuff, you know. Re- and you can make it just whatever you want it to sound like. That's yeah. what that's what you can make it. You know, like that's one of the joys of stuff like that is you can be very specific and, and very literally stuff thousands of little tweaks you can do on each drum you know just just dial it in exactly how you want no question that's kind of the coolest part about it of course if you ever want to try to repeat that exact tone live that might be a bit of a challenge but yeah yeah, the live show it doesn't have to be exactly the same sounds yeah nobody i mean sometimes you go to the show you want to hear it like it was on the record but Oftentimes, I'd rather hear them, the, you know, kind of see where they've gone with it. Like, I saw Metallica last year, and I'd seen them first in like '88, and then I saw them again last year in 2019, like 31 years later. And several of their older songs, they don't sound hardly anything like they did on the record anymore. You know, they they, they have the same basic structure and all, but. There's a considerable difference through the solos, the rhythm parts, the vocal parts, everything, because they're not the same musicians they were 30 years ago when they were playing that song. And they've grown, and they've adapted, and they've kind of tweaked their own catalog a little bit to fit their how they play now. And it's Absolutely. that's what you like to hear. I love to hear the growth and watch the progression in an oh, artist. Yeah, that is artistry. You know, like you can't be staying the same. You know, that's just not that's not what the, that's not what it is. Now, I mean, obviously, you can choose to do that, but like, you know, that's, eh, yeah, there's more to be done than that. It's, yeah, you just lose a, it's just not as artistic as it could be. And maybe you get comfortable there and that's okay, but there's not longevity in that as far as a career goes. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, hold on one second, Bill. All right. I'm back. I'm back. I'm that back. was quick. That was literally like one second. Yeah, that was the goal. That was the goal. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think when you have bands that are really special that are able to survive the test of time, 
you know, they themselves will change. You know, you can't expect to hear something the way you heard it 20 years ago. If you do, I think you're kind of you're walking in with an expectation that will leave you disappointed. You know what I mean? Like, right. And it's and it's an interesting one, because if you were to look at yourself as an individual, you're going to see a band that you hope has not changed any of the way they do things over 20 years. But you yourself have clearly changed over 20 years. Exactly. How, how could you not expect them to or how could you expect them to not have changed when it's clear that you would have changed? So, you know, to me, it's like now that doesn't mean that the change has been awesome. Exactly. Sometimes the change doesn't work out real well. But hey, and you know, like you should take someone to task for that. Like, oh man, you're different, but you're whack. Like that's that's not what you're going. That means you stopped holding yourself accountable in the same type of way. You stop challenging yourself to do something unique. Like, yo, your rhythm isn't dope anymore. Your vocals aren't dope anymore. That's on you. Um, but if you change, if someone's changed and it's still dope, it still brings a high level of artistry and craft to it. Then, you know, it's on you uh, to try and find something to respect in it, even if it's not exactly what you expected it to be. So well, I can carry the same analogy I was talking about earlier with Metallica. They had some stuff they did mid career that was not very well received. They had a, one oh. album in particular that sounded like uh, people would say this, the, the snare drum sounded like a, a metal trash can or a pre, like a play school set that he was drumming on. And the whole album, there was not one of Kirk Hammett's solos that he's known for. Not one solo on the whole album. Right. They were trying. They were trying to go for a more kind of garage, like indie type, or you know, almost industrial type sound with it. And they missed the mark completely. But that's gonna hell, they were they were trying something new. To give, I, I credit them for that. Even though it didn't, the final result wasn't great. At least they were trying new stuff, man. Absolutely. Like, listen, man. Like, you have to take some risks. Sometimes they don't land. You fall on your face sometimes. Like that is the nature of it. Uh, and it's like, yo, man, you can't. Sometimes you get lucky and you hit a home run. And other times you fall on your ass. And guess what? You get back up and you try and hit a home run again. So it's like if you if that's not your mentality, then you're only gonna have you're gonna have pretty short lived success. Uh, it's just and that's says just like shit the craps table at Vegas, you know, once you might win big, you might lose your ass, but it's, you're gonna have fun doing it either way. Yeah, man. Like, hey, that's that's the joy of uh, making music. Like you you always try and like have a fan base that enjoys what you make but at the same time it's like yo, you got to make it for yourself you got to find some excitement in it and a reason to be making that yep. now is it going to always translate probably not like yo stevie wonder has some whack records too like people don't recognize yeah, that. He did, he did. Realize how incredibly uh deep his catalog goes but he's got some songs that aren't that awesome like that happens to even the, like the greatest the same with prince prince has some weak records like no doubt about it that i do not think are awesome and he also is maybe the greatest musician that's ever lived so at the you know that that dichotomy happens amongst all artists that are continuing to push their own personal envelope and yep. that's why they're also considered artists prince does not get nearly the credit he deserves especially for a guitar playing because oh, people great. don't realize what a phenomenal guitar player he really was I mean, there's this, uh, and you know, it's an urban legend quote, maybe. I don't know if I've actually seen that it's been recorded as the quote, but in like the 90s, Eric Clapton is asked in an interview, what's it like to be the greatest living guitar player? And his response is, well, I don't know. Why don't you go ask Prince? <laughs> I wouldn't doubt that at all. You know, it's like, you know, that's all you need to know about Prince. I mean, he is, I mean, for my money, probably the greatest guitar player of all time. Um, and I mean, the great multi-instrumentalist of all time on numerous albums, he played every instrument. Um, and I actually, I use him when I'm talking to young people through the recording Academy and the mentoring program or at schools or whenever I'm talking with people that I think, think they're talented and I'm sure they are talented. It's not. And in fact, I'm trying to encourage their talent, but you know, I try to make sure that when I open the door that the ego stays at the doorway. And the way I do that is like I ask a couple basic questions. Are you guys 17? The answer is no. They're older than that. Um, okay. Do you play every instrument? No, I play this. I play that. Okay. Have you written a number one record already? 
well, of course not. That's why they're sitting in front of me. It's like, all right, cool. You're not Prince. So then there's no reason to think we're the, we're the, we're the best person in the room. Uh, he's not here. There's no Prince here. So if there's no Prince here, we're all pretty much on the same level. And that means that we can all just work hard and respect each other. And that's kind of the end of the story because he had a number one record at 17 and could play every instrument. So we're already past that. <laughs> we have We have to take a different path and we're not going to be him. And that's okay. Guess what? There's plenty of room for other people in the industry. And he had that number one record at that age, at that early part in his career, when he was really only getting airplay on black radio stations. Like Absolutely. He, the mainstream public didn't know who the hell he was yet, and he already had a number one album. Yeah. And when and he hit mainstream, he, oh, my God, he blew up. Yeah, and also, like, he was, he wrote a number one record for Morris Day in the Time. You know, he was the songwriter for Morris Day in the Time and played most of the pop solos on that band. Yeah, like, that. that's why Purple Rain's such a funny movie, because it's, like, the battle between him and Morris Day. Well... Yeah, he wrote all the songs that Morris Day is performing <laughs> in that movie. That's crazy. So it's like you know, um, you know, he wrote five number one records for other artists. Like, come on, man. It's like we're not we're not even talking in the same universe. Like, what a loss that guy is. You know, like that's just uh, that's brutal. Who's Prince? He was such a phenomenal songwriter, a phenomenal instrumentalist, a phenomenal vocalist. Oh. And all of that was overshadowed by him being such an insanely phenomenal showman. Absolutely. Like, that's and true artistry, right? That's, was, like, the greatest artist of all time. Yeah, I mean, he was he put on such a show that all his other immense talents were – a lot of people just didn't even know notice him because he was just they, – they were so just purely entertained by him. He was oh. captivating. Absolutely. Have you ever – there's this uh, – acoustic mtv i think acoustic performance from the 90s he's playing an acoustic guitar and he's uh doing uh cream the song cream and he's like playing it and the audience is getting the parts wrong and <laughs> the look on his face and he's stopping like nah <laughs> i've never seen that oh my I'm, god you gotta, I'm gonna have to go look that up now it's so hilarious but he's having so much fun doing it um you know it it kind of shows you what you know that's like, what he's like, and I know a, I knew a guy. I wouldn't say I know him that well. We had one or two, a couple conversations. He's more a friend of one of my good bass playing friends, um, and he guitar teched for Prince for about seven months. And everyone gets fired eventually by Prince, um, for the most part. He just changed, always changing hands. And I was like, so what was it like, you know, being around him? What was he like all day? And he's like, well. I never saw him without a guitar or a girl in his arms. And he was playing, he was playing 10 hours a day, every day. And he was on tour with the third eye girl band at the time. This was like, uh, five years ago, seven years ago. And he, he said that in every city they went to, he had a rehearsal studio that was a lockout and the girl band would just rehearse 12 to 14 hours every day. Um, even on days where they were going to perform. Uh, oh, God. it's like that and like at that aspect point of his career right he's playing for hundreds of thousands of people in these massive like squares you know what i mean potentially and it doesn't matter he's playing 10 hours a day it doesn't matter his band's rehearsing 10 to 14 hours a day like that level is why he could do the things that he could do why his band did the things that they do like there's no musician that i've ever seen interviewed about working for prince that doesn't like with tears in their eyes talking about how much Prince helped make them better musicians, better artists, have better careers, what they show, what he showed them about what it takes to succeed and separate themselves that, you know, I don't even know if like they learned it from talking to him because I hear he was kind of like difficult to talk to. It was more like the example that he set made him who he was, made him the leader that he was. And it's like, that's what leadership is, right? Lead by example. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to rehearse 10 hours a day right now. You guys need to go to the studio. Like, okay, Prince. Yeah, I guess I'm going to play drums for 10 hours right now because that's what Prince needs. You don't really say no to that. No. Nope. <laughs> you know, it's like, dude, you need to go play 14 hours of bass for Prince right now. I'm like, yes, sir. You're damn right I do. Like, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't even ask if ask, ask, he asked twice. Um, All right, unfortunately. Uh, for an opportunity like that um but that's, that's an insane work ethic and you don't get that unless you have a just insane passion for it i mean the first band i was in which is what propelled me to keep doing it was in 2006 
And at one point that band was rehearsing 30 hours a week. And I love the music. We only were together for a year, um, but we played 70 shows. We recorded two records. Um, we worked really, really hard. And I'd only been playing bass for about two and a half years, three years at the time. And the main guy was just brilliantly talented. And that level of work ethic showed me what music could be. You know, we could you can have fans when you work that hard. You can play shows in different states when you work that hard. You can make good sounding records when you work that hard. Now, do I still work that hard? I wish I could say that I do. I've got a family and, you know, I work on music in some capacity or listen to it or learn from it many hours every single day. But, you know, it's not like I'm in the practice studio seven hours today. I don't do it quite like that any longer. Um, but that being said, you know, that work ethic, hey, it reaps, you reap rewards from it. There's just no question that that's what makes you special. And, you know, this is a business where you can, if you're in the biz, trying to be in the business, that being special is, you know, kind of critical to generating a living and generating eyes on you uh, and being yourself. You know, that's the one thing I think that gets overlooked is that when you work really hard at something, you develop yourself. You know, you learn who you are as a musician. You learn who you are as an artist when you're pouring all this energy and time into it. You know, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, as you're doing this podcast, Bill, that you've been learning more about how you want to do it, what you want it to be, who you want to be as an interviewer. Exactly. I was busy. This is this will be about episode eleven or twelve right here, or something thirteen, somewhere around that neighborhood. We're nice. very, very new at this still, and it's already completely different than it was January one when I first started. So well, that's awesome, man. I mean, you know, obviously continued success, and like I'm honored that you'd even reach out. You know, I'm not gonna say I'm a nobody, but like I'm a nobody. I'm just another guy in the scene, you know, trying to make music, trying to make records, and you know, I appreciate the the opportunity to come talk to you. You know, like that, that you uh, saw me as someone worth doing that. That means a lot, man. Absolutely, man. I, I love talking to talented people because, A, I learn a lot from you. And B, anybody else who listens to this will learn a lot from you. And plus, I just get to hang out and just talk about music because it's fun. <laughs> Dude, it's the most fun thing in the world. It's like yes. if I could talk about anything, I want to talk about music. You know, I mean, I love other I, I love to talk about other things. You know, we didn't really break into it, but it's like. I'm a huge Philadelphia sports fan. I have been my entire life. Yeah, I'm trying to not hold that against you. So. Yeah, I, I respect that. Just like I don't hold you being a Cowboys fan against you. You know, we have a term for that up here. We call them cockroaches, you know, because, you know, they have like all these uh, transplants. For some reason, there's all these people not from Dallas that are fans of the Cowboys in the Philadelphia region. I don't know what that's about. It's all over the country. Everywhere you go. Cockroaches to us. You know what I mean? Like, um, but, you know, all joking aside, like, I kind of have what I call my excellence philosophy. And if something's excellent, then I want to know about it and I want to speak about it and I want to learn more about it. And I think great athleticism and great sport is excellent. You know, like we have amazing sports. It's an amazing sports town. Obviously, Texas has amazing. Very deep in tradition of sports, yes. Yeah. I, mean, uh, I went to. Uh, From Dr. Uh, J with the 76ers back in the day, you know, it's, sure. it goes way back. Well, I was so I was in Austin, Texas for my homie's bachelor party like five years ago. And uh, we went to a UT football game and that was freaking righteous. Uh, uh, I bet it was I bet it was wild. Oh, my God. How much fun was that? You know, like totally amazing. The football was incredible. Um, you know, so it's like, you know, the state of Texas has incredible sports, incredible food, incredible artwork. Like, you know, when you have those type of cultural things, uh, you should want to know about some of that stuff, you know. So, like, same thing with Philadelphia. We have amazing art, amazing food, obviously long sports history, um, you know, and incredible music. Texas has incredible music. You know, there's a lot of legendary. It's like, you know, we come from two places where there's, like, there's Hallmark stuff. So it's like, you And you all have the Liberty Bell. And we do. Well, we also have really incredible history and i actually oh, yeah. I, went to school here. I went to school here in philadelphia and that's actually what i studied um, wasn't philly the first capital of the united states actually it was the first capital yeah. of the united states um it yep it got moved and i mean also this is where the continental congress has occurred declaration yep. of independence yep. was written here all the that stuff happened there constitution was written here yep. um you know my wife and i 
um, and our son and mother-in-law, my mother-in-law, we actually drove through Valley Forge Park uh, on Saturday, which is where General Washington wintered, you know, like this is an incredible place of history, this area. And like if you dig that stuff, you'll find it here, you know. Um, I would the, love to come see all that. I've never been to Philly or in that area, oh, so I, that, but I would love to go see all that. That's amazing. Really interesting place. Really cool. I mean, I grew up here, right? So I've grown up right. here. I went to college here. I live here now. I've lived in Tokyo, Japan. It's the only other place I've lived. Um, and I've stayed here. You know, I've, I have roots here and I've kind of built my family here and I don't really have intentions of leaving because it's a fascinating place. And there's good stuff here. It's also a lot cheaper than living in a place like L.A. or New York or Miami, places that I love. Um, But, you know, we've got some real dope stuff. And not for nothing. Now, this is me being biased, Bill, and I will be biased. We have per capita because we are a small city, the best musicians on the planet in the city of Philadelphia. Um, We have more musicians in top artists bands per size of any city in the world. You know, John Legend's band, Rihanna's band. Uh, well, I didn't know they were from Philly. Oh, yeah. All these dudes are from Philly. Uh, Justin Timberlake's band, the number one musical director in the world, Adam Blackstone, Philadelphia musician, really? picks, wow. Philadelphia music, picks Philadelphia musicians. You know, he now, I mean, he did Justin Timberlake's Super Bowl because he's JT's musical director, but now he does the Super Bowl. He does the music for the masked singer. These are all Philadelphia people that are involved in these world international productions. And you go into town and when these dudes are off tour, Adele's band, when these dudes are off tour, they're playing at local bars. And like, you know, like and we are a town of insane bass players. I mean, uh, Adam Blackstone is a bass player. Some of his contemporaries, the best gospel cats in the world, bass players, Philadelphia musicians. So as a bass player, I've actually stuck around because it challenges me because it's like, damn, if I'm going to get up there and jam at this bar tonight, I better have the stuff. You know what I mean? So this is a place for that. And some of the best gospel musicians in the world live in the Philadelphia area, actually in the tech, all over Texas, some of Dallas's gospel musicians are absolutely insane. Um, And, you know, that part of uh, the culture here is really incredible. And it's like, man, you can go get some, great whiskey and literally see Adele's piano player on a Tuesday night in Philadelphia. That's great. I didn't know. I did not realize all those people were from the Philly area. I, mean, I, I guess you, if you're not from there, you might not know that, but yeah, but, anyway, um, exactly. like I told you the other day on Twitter, like the last really artist that sticks in my mind knowing of that was from Philly was the Fresh Prince back in the day. <laughs> and listen, he it is Philadelphia I, born and raised. <laughs> so he's an icon and my mentor, Joe, the butcher, Niccolo, Produced the first two Fresh Prince, DJ Jazzy Jeff, and the Fresh Prince albums. Oh, he won the first, and that was they're the first ever hip hop Grammy award win. Um, was Fresh Prince. Um, so Joe the Butcher has a Grammy for producing that album. Um, he's oh. one of my mentors. I'm his session bass player at this point. So like, yeah. So you, I mean, listen, iconic, but there have been some other a lot great- more since yes. <laughs> uh, and there are actually some really great young talent right now. There's some people that are going to break from this region. More in like the hip hop and probably the hip hop and rap scene than anything right now. Meek Mill, who's huge, uh, is from Philadelphia. And, you know, the Roots, they're from Philadelphia. Oh, the Roots are from Philly? Yeah. Man, I've been watching them. Like they, they used to appear on like a little kid's show when my daughter was little. It was oh, called. Yeah, uh, it was called Yo Gabba Gabba, if you've ever seen it. It was like yeah, these little dolls that run around on stage, and they, they had this like little segment where they'd have a band on once in a while. And that's the first place I ever saw The Roots was on there. I was like, these guys actually look like a legit cool-ass band. And I didn't hear of them again until like they were on Fallon. I was like, oh, yeah. I know those dudes. Yeah, no, they're amazing. <laughs> um, they're piano player James Poizer's uh, Grammy-winning songwriter, platinum writer and producer. And he did artists like Jill Scott. Work with music soul child my one of my mentors ivan barrius did that music and i mean those are huge massive records platinum records uh those are from the 90s from philadelphia um you know we've had we have incredible history of music here and there's some really good kids coming up right now that i'm very excited to know and be around and see and uh you know it's just a cool town man it really is it is the hip-hop i, I can see where hip-hop's popping like that because that's the dominant genre in 
music right now, and it has been oh. for some time, and there's no oh, showing any signs of showing slowing at this point. Oh, no, 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 no. Right now, hip-hop owns the world. Uh, yeah. My recording studio, the way we actually built it, and it was, I'll say this, it was like half luck, half intention. Um, we built a room that's like just caters to young hip-hop artists and producers, and it's 24-hour access, keypad entry, um, and these dudes literally go in at midnight and work till nine in the morning. They even end up sleeping on the couch. But these guys, these kids are just cranking out material, getting hundreds of thousands, millions, tens of millions of streams on Spotify. These young kids in hip hop music. That is the dominant genre. That's where all the economics are right now. And at one point, like when like Lil Wayne was blown up, he was like the number one artist in hip hop. They. At that point, he still wasn't even like top 10, top 20 money in the music business. But now hip hop artists are making top 10 money. Um, you know, Drake is making all the money in, in music right now. So it's like, you know, that is the dominant genre. And one of the things that you find when you work kind of on like the business side of it is like, hey, recognize what it is. Go work with those people. They're running. Exactly. The right now. Like, why do you think why do you think every pop al- pop album you hear right now from um Katie Perry and everybody else, you'd be. I challenge you to find one pop album that came out in the last year that did not have at least one track with a featured rapper. Absolutely, featured rapper and like trap drums, the hats and yep. the hi hats and everything. That's all over pop music right now. Yep. It is. It's running the world. So like, yo, lean into that, respect and understand that that's what the kids are de- de- digging on, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like it's, absolutely not, man. It's, it sounds amazing. Like it's what it's what the music world is doing right now. It just it's just the what the world's how the progression has come about. And I remember in the eighties when when rap was really just becoming a thing at all. You know, it was kind of R and B stuff kind of melded into this rap that started in the mid eighties. Actually, probably the early eighties. It really started and started get becoming popular in the mid to late eighties mm-hmm. when like Run DMC started really hitting the scene and some other people like you know NWA and those guys started really coming on and blowing it up and getting big exposure. But it has just been a freight train ever since but it's like rock and roll started in the 50s and by the 70s and the 80s it was just powerhouse train you know freight train rolling through dominating the, the, the entire industry and that's kind of how things go yeah and 20 years from now it'll be something completely different i don't who knows what exactly and like that's actually like to me that's exciting Latin trap will be the biggest thing in the world in 20 years. Yeah, Latin trap's dominating right now, man. Jay yeah, Bowden it already is. Yeah, is like is like dominating the world. Uh, is that Lil Baby? I guess is the other guy from South Florida. I saw this billboard. I was in Miami with my family in December, and I didn't know who this artist was, Ozuna. And I'm like, there's like five billboards for this dude, and I'm like, who the heck is this? This dude has five platinum singles. It's like, uh, okay, Latin pop, Latin hip hop. You know what I mean? Like, and obviously at this year's Grammy Awards, uh, was it Rosalia? She was like super blown up. She had an incredible Latin performance. Like, you know, I, you know, listen, there's a cool wave of music right now. Uh, I'm, I'm actually really into the popular music that's happening right now. You know, Billie Eilish is one of my favorite artists on the planet. Um, do a grown up, blown up. I mean, but she she's got a just an amazing voice, but like her delivery is just her delivery. That's exactly what I would say, dude. Her delivery is so insane, so perfected, so like it makes you so uncomfortable at times and so relieved at times. It's like truly remarkable. Her there's a tension about it. She maintains this like level of tension through it, and then then she like releases it and like oh you get that satisfaction but then the tension comes right back and there's a video of her floating around i've seen it a couple times it's on youtube out there where she did a performance on um howard stern and says her and her brother that's his her producer you know and keeps he's on the keyboard yeah and uh it's just him playing on the piano and her singing and he's singing a little harmonies with her and she sings this song, and she, it's early in the morning. She's doing this show, so she's and she even mentions that at the beginning of the video. She said, this is really early. I'm not used to singing this early, and this is a three-octave range song, so I'm going to do my best. And it's like, yeah, she nailed it. It was an incredible performance, man. Yeah. Just like 
Her and her brother are amazing. Her brother's probably my one of my three favorite producers in the world right now. I mean, he, they just won ten Grammy awards. Yeah, oh, it was unbelievable. It's like the greatest Grammy winning performance of all time. Ten awards. That's not even a joke. They literally won ten between the. I know they did. Yeah, and that was a what was it uh, like eighty four? I think it was when Michael Jackson won like eight or nine. Yeah. Yeah, and they like, they 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 blew they beat that and I thought you know everybody thought that would that was just insane back then they beat that record. Yeah, and it's like you know so you got you got girls like her you got this artist from London Dua Lipa who won yeah, best performance two years yeah. ago I love her music she's an amazing talent um you know it's like yo pop music right now is fun or dark or emotional and like it actually runs the gamut of not just being the Backstreet Boys so it's like yo. There's really great music coming out. There's really great underground music out. I mean, the artist Anderson Pack, I don't know if you know him or not. Um, he's one of my favorite thing. artists right now. Uh, you know, he had an album like four years ago, Malibu, which is just still one of my favorite albums. Uh, he's a drummer that raps and sings, and he is just spectacular. Dr. Dre found him when I was at an event in LA with the Recording Academy honoring Dr. Dre. And a surprise performance from Anderson Pack was just like with 200 people in the room. It was totally incredible. Wow. And he was just insane. And like, we were right in front of the drums and he was just murdering it. It was like legendary shit. So it's like, yo, there's just so much incredible talent out right now that anyone that's like the music today sucks. just isn't listening. Doesn't have their ears open. Doesn't know what they're talking about. And there are people like that. Every decade you'd go back to the forties and in the fifties and the sixties, there was just, Fluff, bubblegum pop that just had no substitute. It was just, it was just filler, and it, it it appeals to like a young crowd that's not really that discerning. And I, I get it; it's fine. Sure. It has its place. But the pop music, like you were saying, the pop music of today, there's there's still some of that out there. There's still the Katy Perry's that just really is, is pretty much just fluff. But there's a lot of them, like the Billies and the uh, Dua Lipas and the. I'm trying to think of some other ones off the top of my head. It's not coming to me. But there there is like real thought. That goes into even Taylor Swift. There's a lot of thought that goes into those albums, and those recordings, and those ri- the writing, the and the com- composition, and it's it's taking real it's real musicianship coming to the forefront in the pop world even now, which is something we haven't really seen much in pop music in a, a very long time. Not I since agree. the Beatles were considered pop. I think it's killer, honestly. So absolutely, man. I'm a big fan of the music right now. I'm a big fan of being in the world of music right now because it's pretty exciting. And there's some good talented people. And then there's also just some like good hardworking people, man. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like I get to talk to you and, you know, you're just a guy doing your thing down in Texas. And it's like this is an awesome thing, you know, that you're in the music world and you love it and you're here to talk and talk to people about music. Like that's kind of the best thing in the world. I know, isn't it? You can just have a passion and just start making it your thing, man. That's what it's all about, man. Um yeah, that's kind so of so far. Like the last, the last three guys I've talked to, um, they've all been around like about less than two years in the industry, and they're all already making moves. It's like holy cow, this is incredible. And then uh, when I come to you, and you've been here for like going on twenty years now, but a, um, a few episodes back before that, I had a, a friend of mine named Brad on, and he was thirty plus years as a working musician. So it's, it's run the gamut here of people I've talked to, and it's from hip hop artists to like more indie folk and country artists it's just it's really been fun and i had i look forward to continuing this oh man you got to keep doing it dude oh absolutely you know when you've uh, gotten yourself to like 40 50 episodes have me back absolutely that's the plan especially all the people like for these first 10 or 15 or so when i'm kind of just trying to trying to fill out fill it out for myself i'm still trying to get my footing and all that i definitely want to have all of them back and we'll refer back to their previous episodes but i want to have them back to really do them justice (laughs) oh dude you did a great job today man it was great talking to you it was just a good conversation man that's what it's all about that's what i wanted this to be and it's kind of really just now starting to get there where it's just we're just hanging talking and recording it as we go so that's kind of the thing man bill it's really great talking to you today it's good to talk to you mitch man well, uh, before we get going, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you or information about your uh, classes you teach and such like that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you can find me a couple of different places uh, on Twitter at Mitch Beer, and obviously I'm on there a pretty decent amount these days. Uh, my Instagram is Instagram slash uh, Mitch Beer Base, 
and you know, I post some videos of my work and always kind of just showing about music in some capacity, especially with my wife. And then on Facebook, um, Mitch Beer Bass, but also Rebel Joy Music Ed. That's where you'll find the teaching stuff. And if you find me on any of the other platforms, I'm happy to talk about lessons in any way. And then I have my website, just MitchBeerBass.com. Uh, kind of keep it all homogenous in some capacity. And, you know, I'm uh, I'm always down to talk music, how I can help you make get better. And uh, that's what kind of it's all about. Excellent, man. Well, I greatly appreciate it. And uh, everybody, I'll put the, all the uh, Mitch, I'll get Mitch to send me all that information and I'll put it in the show notes and the descriptions and all that stuff. So there'll be a description underneath it on whatever player you're using. And then I'll do a show notes page on the Autonomy Talent website and it'll be on there as well. So all this information, if you need, if you want to find it, you don't want to have to remember it. Just you can go click on it. Awesome. Awesome, Mitch. Well, you have a great rest of your day, man. And uh, keep keep doing what you're doing, man. It's it's working. Thanks, Bill. You too, brother. Have a good one, man. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Autonomy Talent Podcast. We greatly appreciate you taking the time to listen, and I hope you found a few things you could take away from it. Be sure to subscribe and follow us wherever you happen to hang out on social media. We're all over the place. Just look up Autonomy Talent on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn, you name it, we're probably there. So until next time, be sure to always live intentionally. Operate, operate.